1: Welcome to Failed Critics' Triple Bill, uh, our favourite revenge films, because we were meant to be watching Taken 2, then James got his high horse and we're not, but he didn't change the topic for Triple Bill, so we're doing revenge films now, still. I'm your host, Steve Norman. I'm joined by James Diamond. Hello. Uh, Owen Hughes. Hello. And Jerry McCauley.
2: Salutations.
1: Exactly. Fancy. Uh, so...
2: I feel like
0: I should make up for the shambolic nature of the previous podcast performance.
1: I make no apologies for my tip induced ramblings and nonsense and my comparisons of the bad guy from Sinister to Jeff Hardy (laughs) It was apt It was apt, extremely accurate And not knowing who Ethan Hawke was I knew who Ethan Hawke was I just didn't know it was him (laughs) I don't know how but I just didn't click Maybe it was the facial hair Possibly Maybe. And the glasses. Anyway, I'm going to kick off Triple Bill Revenge Films with my three films. Um, As that's the rule, we have to pick three of them. They are all big hitters. Yeah. Nobody told (laughs) me. Yeah.
3: This changes everything.
1: Yeah. Well, if we had only more than three, James would be here all night talking about them. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yes, all big hitters. The first one is Inglorious Bastards. Now, choice. I know, I know, I picked it for another film. I picked it for I Best Bar Scenes the other week as well, but I've rolled with it for this one. Two, um, not, well, the, you know, in a minor way, the bastards want revenge because they're all Jews and the Nazis aren't very nice to the Jews, but the main revenge story is shoshana taking revenge on... Um, Colonel Lander for the brutal murder of her family. And it all sort of you know, a large chunk of the film is her owning the cinema in Paris and sort of the slow build up to how she gets her revenge, which is built up brilliantly and extremely tensely throughout the whole film.
3: Yeah. Awesome. Um yeah. You're right, it is definitely her revenge film, uh with everything else around it being almost nice window dressing but her story is definitely the heart of that film
1: And
0: it's, it's it's the heart of the film in the way that any story in any Tarantino film is the heart of a story because it's always about so many things. Mm. I think Kill Bill is the only film he's done where there wasn't a load of storylines going on
2: Yeah Probably the one that's packed full of the most references though, lots of other films Kill Bill. Very true Yeah it's more of a nod to the kind of films he loved and spoiled him, isn't it, really?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, in Glorious Bastards uh, obviously got that revenge element to it. Gladiator is next. Directed oh, by that... Ridley Scott, stars Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix. No, that that was
3: nearly yeah. Joaquin. Yeah,
1: Joaquin. <laughs>
3: um, that, yeah, that was nearly on my list, yeah. actually. It, it was, It was, I had four,
0: and because I couldn't choose between them, I just thought, well, whichever one someone says, I'll take that off the
1: list. So that's my three finalists. There we go. <laughs> there we go. So Gladiator, everyone knows the story by now. Russell Crowe plays a Roman general who for some reason has his family murdered by the emperor's son. Uh, so, And then he's sort of thrown into slavery. So he decides his best way to get revenge is to become a Gladiator and just kick a lot of ass which he does in brilliant fashion.
3: Yeah, uh, and he actually says he will have his vengeance, so mm-hmm. definitely a revenge from I like the way you say, for some reason his wife and kids are killed.
1: Do <laughs> you, you remember that at the beginning then, Steve? No? I do. The son didn't like him much because the Emperor liked him more than his son. Okay, well, that's just the way you dismissed it. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, so a minor plot point, though. you know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all kind of, you know, just sort of, window dressing as you we'll, might say to the actual we'll,
3: we'll, we'll blame the Lemsip
1: um, yes why not blame Lemsip and the final revenge film in my triple bill would be another big hitter directed by Mel Gibson starring Mel Gibson it's Braveheart <laughs> does that just okay. like a, a kind of negative <laughs> sign sound or I just can't I can't, I can't get into Braveheart Sorry, I don't. Steve. I don't think it's Oscar worthy. I just think it's quite good fun. Oh, okay. You know, it's it's entertaining. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's entertaining. William Wallace, the, the English, kill his wife and and take all over all his land and everything. So he wants to get revenge on him, and in he does, but he dies himself. So I mean, not really, but in a way, he does. <laughs> <laughs> There's more of brave heart. Braveheart. <laughs>
3: I've never seen a triple bill get rattled through so quick. Because <laughs> he what, just wants to go
1: to yeah. What what else do you want what what do you want me to expand on, right? You've got the three films I've picked there, ask me some questions, I'll expand on them, we'll kill some time.
0: What colour is the face paint
1: in Braveheart? Uh, blue and white. It's not a quiz, Jerry. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I meant like you know, quiz me about the films, <laughs> not like just general knowledge. I'm
3: I'm pretty happy with that, Steve, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. no, no, I can't argue like with that. It's either. just the way you rattled it off, was <laughs> I'm impressed. No notes either. Speed and efficiency.
1: Mm. No, no one really wants to hear me talk about films while I'm drugged up on Benadryl. So, um, no one wants to hear me rabble on about films when I'm not drugged up on Benadryl. So, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we were too polite to finish yeah. that joke off. for you, Steve. Yeah. Let's uh, let's move on to the people who actually know about films and start with James.
3: Golf. Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Okay. My my three. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun compiling this list actually i would got I'd quite a few on my long list uh, but my three i'm really happy with and I've, I've got it down to uh my number three choice uh is old boy from 2003 and i was waiting to see if there was some kind of crossover there but obviously not i'm surprised someone on I'm twitter say,
0: i've never seen that film uh yeah i really want to see
3: it oh my god steve have you
1: seen it no Oh my gosh, My
2: God like failed critics, James. Yeah. I, I, uh, I haven't seen it because I thought it was part of a trilogy of vengeance films, and I had to see Lady Vengeance or Mr. Vengeance, whichever one's first. And it then I seemed, found out only this week, actually, they're only linked by the theme, not the, it's quite the story.
3: Linked by the theme of vengeance, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, stupid. Um, well, um, Old Boy is on Love Film Instant, um because I had to watch it on Love Film instant because I went to watch it on Netflix and it was a dubbed version. I watched it quite a few years ago, but um, I watched it this week so I wanted to rewatch it for this. Um... But yeah, I watched it on Love Film Instant and it was the beautifully subtitled version. So yeah, directed by Chanwood Park. And as you say, it's part of his um, Vengeance trilogy. The first one uh, being Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and the third one being uh, Lady Vengeance, which um, I haven't seen either of those two yet, but I'm planning to watch them this week now because re-watching it has really got me into it again. Brilliant film. But set up, it's quite unbelievable in a way, but it's just this average drunken man is kidnapped. Uh, and on his daughter's birthday and imprisoned in a shabby cell for fifteen years and it's not explained to him. Um and in that time he trains himself up and he swears he's gonna get vengeance and then all of a sudden he's released and he's given money, a cell phone, uh and clothes and basically he has to find out why he's been imprisoned for fifteen years. Uh that's his that's his mission. And he decides to tear apart um career trying to find it it's just he is a man on an absolute mission to find out who 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 is tormenting him and what is the bigger picture and there is a bigger picture there as well. It's um is very famous for a couple of scenes. Um one you probably know he eats a live octopus at one point um and he actually does and apparently they used four octopodes uh which I believe is the correct term um during so that I'd be scene, QI. Is,
1: yeah. it, is it, is it
3: not octopi? No, no, it's octopodes. Are you sure? um, <laughs> that was the QI alarm going. On
0: that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, and the actor who plays him, uh, Min Sok Choi, is a Buddhist, and he said a prayer before he ate each one. Um, and yeah, that's quite a disturbing scene, but it gets a lot. Worse. It's again, it's not a film you want to watch with family and there I please all three of you tell me when you've watched it. Cause I want to discuss it with you as soon as you've watched it. Cause I've got so much. I want to talk to people about it, but um, also there is a fantastic fight scene, which I still can't believe I left off of my best fight scenes, triple bill. It's this um, one take in a corridor and it looks like a side scrolling beat up type thing. And it's him against like about 15 people. Uh, and he's just got a hammer. <laughs> and he's taking them down and it's this beautiful cut where the um he's taken them all down and then the lift opens in front of him and there's another 15 men in the lift and he just smiles at them and the camera cuts and you think yeah he's taken them down as well fucking awesome um so yeah it's shocking it's brutal it is wonderfully shot um and i don't want to say anything more because i think The less you know about it, the better before you watch it. But please, please do watch it. It is one of the finest um, foreign language films I've ever
2: seen. That Choi Min-sik guy, he's from uh, I Saw the Devil, which I've seen as well. And there is a really well choreographed, really graphic fight scene in that. And he looked brilliant. I'd be interested to compare them. He did all his own stunt work, apparently, and he
3: uh, he trained for six weeks, lost, and he kept um, losing weight and putting on weight, depending on where in the um, uh, shooting schedule he was. So he, he was very, almost method in that sense, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's got some, it has got a load of great fight scenes in it. It's also got some pretty nasty torture scenes in it as well. So, um, my second choice, my second two, is Get Carter. Obviously, the Michael Caine original 1971 film, directed by Mike Hodges, and not the 2000 Sylvester Stallone remake. Uh, have any of you seen Get
1: Carter? A uh, long time ago now.
3: Do you mean the original or the remake? Because I haven't
0: seen the remake, but I've seen the original.
3: Yeah, the original, cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, vicious London gangster, Jack Carter, goes up to Newcastle for his brother's funeral. Um, while he's up there, starts suspecting that his brother's death wasn't an accident and basically turns into some kind of Cockney Terminator, tearing Newcastle apart to find out the truth of what happened to his brother. Starts off with Roy Budd's incredible soundtrack. It's one of my favourite soundtracks. Um, It's just a jazz quartet. uh, Brilliant, brilliant music. Um, It was filmed filmed at the very end of the uh, very early part of the 70s in provincial Britain. It was filmed on location up in Newcastle and Gateshead and County Durham. It looks really grim um, (laughs) and it works. It was the first of the kind of real dark 70s cinema films. I think we've spoken about 1970s cinema. We did our triple bill on the 70s before. And I think I said then that the 70s was when cinema kind of grew up and started really producing films for adults not in a kind of not just full of sex and violence although this does have sex and violence in it but definitely you know more adult themes as well um it's got the brilliant line where he says that someone has eyes like piss holes in the snow which is just beautiful <laughs> poetic um but yeah it it's horribly dark and gritty again and I, I think that that kind of fits in with the whole vengeance theme is that it is a man almost doomed Uh, to his own fate, yeah, he's going to follow this vengeance, but he's going to pay a personal price at the end of it one way or another as well, Uh, it influenced filmmakers like um, Tarantino Guy Ritchie as well Um, I won't say, again, I won't say anything more about it simply because I know that uh, Owen's not seen it, so but there's a few interesting points about foreshadowing and things like that. And it is that it's a really wonderfully made film, uh, and I, I love it. And I think it's my favourite Michael Caine role. Okay, it's on my
2: love film list. I am waiting to get it. Um, I think it, I think um, Get
3: Carter's instant as well. Oh, is it? Yeah. I oh, okay. It. I was looking earlier. I'm pretty sure Get Carter's now on instant because I've just restarted my love film yeah. um, for our Bond special that we've got coming up. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and my number one choice, we've already mentioned it here, but not in a crossover way, um, Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2. Crossover. Ah, uh, there <laughs> we go. <laughs> we've got Crossover. Um, and I'm assuming you chose Volumes 1 and 2 because, like me, uh, it, it well, not like me, but it was intended to be one film originally. It's not my fault that tarantino had to split it into two to satisfy the studios so uh, apparently a four-hour cut does exist of the film and has been shown theatrically so yeah uh, he showed it at, at the first way the screening that they
0: did he showed it as a four-hour film and the audience loved it yeah. yeah but they just like the feedback was like mm, i
3: could do it you know you could probably make two films out of that and he's like oh mm, okay if i have to yeah um so yeah, those you know the lead character, the bride, played by Uma Thurman, member of the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad, which is such a brilliant name, um, uh, led by Bill. Um, she's pregnant with Bill's child, and so Bill decides to kill her on her wedding day, leaves her in a coma. She awakes from the coma about four years later, I think it is, finds out that not only uh, is her child apparently dead. But someone has been paying. uh, Someone has been pimping out a coma body for people to have sex with her, and she decides to take vengeance against every member of the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad. And my God, what a fun film! It's not. I. I, It's not Tarantino's best film, but I think it's. I think certainly Volume One, especially, uh, it's his most
2: fun film. I think Volume One is a slightly better film than two. Yeah, I think it's a massive difference between the two of them. Kill Bill 1 I thought was really good. Kill Bill 2 I've never been so disappointed by a sequel. Really? really? It was really awful.
3: I got that. I was surprised because I, 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 it was very different in tone and in pace and in feel but at the same time I felt like, it, I, I felt like it was um, a more than satisfactory conclusion to the, to the story.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. I, I just really, I just remember being really just bitterly disappointed by Oh. I got to the end and I thought, "What? Because this has happened to this story? Because the first <laughs> one was set up so brilliantly."
3: Uh. Yeah, the first one is incredible. I, I love it. Yeah,
2: but then you have the sort of classic
0: seventies kung fu thing of all oh, going and learning from the master, and I, I then the
3: character of the old master. I loved his, my is, pay. Um, yeah, he's
2: awesome.
3: Really? I loved my pay. I,
2: I, I loved that whole section. I really yeah. did. I wasn't taken with
3: her. Uh, um, and uh, Daryl Hannah, uh, uh, the, the fight scene with Daryl Hannah in the caravan uh, is a great fight scene. Kill Bill um, Volume 1 has got the best fight scenes. It's got the crazy ATA, <laughs> which is brilliant. Um, Vivica a. Fox's kind of suburban mum fight scene really near the beginning. It's got Tarantino's non-linear uh, narrative and things like that. I also really love the fact that he's clearly set up Uh, a mythology there and the fact that he keeps talking about it. And I really hope he's not just talking. I really hope he's seriously looking at um, the story of um, Vivka A. Fox's daughter, who the bride tells her, come and find her when she's grown up for her vengeance kind of thing. Uh, Because I know that Tarantino's spoken about getting footage of them at this age so he can use it in the future, um, which would be really interesting. And it's got Sonny Chiba in it. Um, which is great and yeah i i i know a lot of people said that kill bill was when tarantino went wrong i th- it's kill bill is the moment where a lot of people who want to slag off tarantino will go yeah that's what yeah kill bill was rubbish and i i cannot understand why they would think it was rubbish
0: it's it shows such love and care for that entire genre you know mm. All those old Bruce Lee films, all
1: the sort of B movie kung fu films that became a bit of a standing joke with the bad
0: dubbing and all that kind of thing. There's all you know. There's anime in there. I think.
3: Yeah, the um, a, Oren's origin story. The the whole anime that must be about fifteen minutes long or something like that.
0: I, I um, mean, the, the, the use of blood. He even used like the same technique that the original filmmakers used to do those stupid over the top yeah blood
3: spurts <laughs> yeah. it's there's just so much care and love yeah and it's a, it's going. another brilliant soundtrack as well um oh, yeah, soundtrack yeah again especially volume one uh, and it did its usual trick <laughs> of um there's so many songs now that we recognize from that soundtrack that we had never heard before kill bill came out he has an impeccable ear um for a tune Matching a scene again. My I think my favourite one is the cover uh, by Santa Esmeralda of "Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood." The kind of like twelve minute um, Latin cover of "Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood," which is used for the final fight with um, Oren Ishii. Uh, it's uh, he's just got yeah,
0: I think, he's just I think such a talented artist. It might even be all of them were used in other films previously as well.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just that attention to detail when you are paying tribute to the thing that you love most. And I'm I'm really excited about Django Unchained. And going back to Kill Bill 3 or whatever he ends up calling it, he has hinted that his project after Django Unchained will be returning to Kill Bill 3 because it will be 10 years since he's done uh, the first Kill Bill
0: uh, I love the fact as well he gave um, the script to this to Uma Thurman as her 30th birthday present.
3: It's the coolest present ever, isn't yeah. it? The script and the part is that, here's a script, I want you to play it, happy birthday. Fuck yeah.
0: But I think I think the two of them, I think Uma Thurman was involved in the creation of the, the character and the sort of the formulation of it as well.
3: Yeah, because it says at the end... Um, Uh, the bride created by q and U or something like that so yeah uh, they've clearly been friends for a long time um yeah yeah it's and it is a one she's a one woman wrecking ball and that that sums up revenge films for me just literally having a list of people killing them and ticking them off that list (laughs) love it
1: um, what? So does
2: that count? There's one or two of your films, then. That, that's to, uh,
3: No, because I'm I'm counting the uh, the can screening version where it was shown as a four hour cut.
1: Obviously, <laughs> obviously, um, as there's been some crossover with Jerry's list. Then one, you carry us on.
0: Okay, um, I will go in. Hmm, I'll go in reverse chronological order. From from, I'll start with Kill Bill, the next most recent one. I'm going backwards here. Um, after Kill Bill. Kill Bill is the most recent one that I chose. The next one is Christopher Nolan film. I think someone's going to guess it. Yeah. Um, Memento from 2000, which, if you've read some of my stuff that I've written on the site,
3: you will know that I bloody love this film. Yeah. Um, Stars Guy Pearce. uh, It's got that lady out of The Matrix whose name I can never remember. Anybody. Carrie Ann Moss. That's the
0: one. Um,
3: It's basically... And the other guy at The Matrix. Um, what's his name, Joe he's in the Matrix as well isn't he
0: I have no idea, if you you say so
3: (laughs) I'm going to look it up now you carry on talking I'm looking it up
0: okay, Um, (laughs) Guy Pierce plays Leonard who is um, an insurance investigator it turns out he's got amnesia and he can't make any new memories but he can remember some things and he's trying to find out who killed his wife because uh, that's the last thing you can remember before. You lost this ability
1: to to create memories. And the, the, how, the best way to explain it is that the story moves forward in time and back in time
3: simultaneously. Does, that doesn't make any sense, does it? The thing is, I've seen it, so I, I, know, what I know what you're
2: saying. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm following what, what you're saying. I haven't seen it. What? What is going, going on, on
3: tonight? On what is going on, on shelf, tonight with you? Literally Owen. to
2: my left right now. I can see the oh, DVD Jesus from where I'm surprised <laughs> I
0: know.
1: I That's suspect. your homework. Yeah, it's really good. I think
0: this was the kind of the film that set up Christopher Nolan as, you know, potentially being a really, really good director because, you know, this was the f- he, he made I think I talked about this in my article, he, he made this for five million dollars. It uh, got turned down by all the big production companies, eventually got picked up, made absolutely tons of money in Europe, got picked up by an American distribution company, made loads of money for them as well. Um, I think it grossed um, about 25 million in, in the US and, and a bit more for that. So he, he basically made five times what, what it cost. Um, and that gave him the opportunity to make the much bigger films that he's made since, um, a lot of which are you know, very highly regarded by a lot of people. Um the best thing about it is he is, he—I mean—he wrote it um, along with his brother who as we know is you know that's a very good screenwriting partnership and I think it's is one of the great screenwriting partnerships around at the moment if not the best um, and the way they use chronology in this film I know Owen hasn't seen it Steve have you seen it?
1: No Right um, James might be able to help me out on this basically it yeah. starts and he, it has a little section a little passage of time and it mm-hmm. progresses
3: to a certain point and then it goes back to before that last bit yeah. and runs until the start of the last bit. Does that make sense you, so you you're seeing it kind of in like five minute chunks, but starting at the end and going backwards okay because um, his problem is um it, he he has short uh short term memory loss. You probably already said that, sorry, Jerry. I was just looking up the fact that it is Joe Pantoliano is um his mate in it um and he was also in the matrix and he was in sopranos as well but yeah that's all um it's a really good cast it's w- really well written Guidepiece is fantastic in it it's in I the think imdb it's the best film i ever made i think yeah
0: um he's, it's slightly better than like confidential for in terms of his performance
3: anyway yeah yeah definitely but yeah um 8.6 on um on IMDB. It's, yeah, top, it's like, like top two fifty.
0: It's
3: number really thirty four. Yeah. Top two fifty. Um, um I'd also you- if you've not seen it, um following Christopher Nolan's very first film, it's a really, really interesting film. And if you watch that, you see where Memento came from almost. Because that is also black and white and really, really messes around with uh nonlinear storytelling as well. It's about 75 minutes long and he filmed it over a year on his weekends for about 5,000 quid or something like that. So if you get a chance to watch Following, which is available on some instant streaming sites, i definitely recommend that. Okay. I'll move on from Memento because that it's quite a confusing one, but it's, mm. it's,
0: it's brilliant. It really is. But, yeah. you know, I think after that he made Insomnia. Um, and then off the back of those two, he got the gig for Batman Begins, as we all know. Yeah. And then, he, you know, he made The Prestige and he made The Dark Knight and he made Inception, he's made The Dark Knight Rises. You know, this is the film that sort of got him all those
3: yeah, all those jobs. So it's definitely worth watching because, you know, you need to know just how good he was to get those those things in the first place.
0: It's brilliant. And also the fact that Guy Pierce has to write everything in sort of tattoos all over his body in permanent yeah. marker things things is a brilliant little visual technique
2: okay it's one of those films i've heard actually where people keep saying oh, i can't tell you anything about it you've got to watch it but i can't tell you what it's about you just mm. got to watch it um, yeah it's the definition of one of those films i
0: think
3: yeah yeah and quite often it's not because they can't tell you because they don't want to spoil it it's literally because they can't think, yeah. explain it <laughs> you need to watch yourself because i literally yeah. cannot quite explain how it works but it does okay.
0: all right number one revenge film we talked about eighties films last last week on the triple bill. This is one of the the most eighties
3: films. Oh, oh, oh. oh yes. It, so what I think it is. It's Commando. Yes. Arnold okay. Sports <laughs> Yeah. Flash. You said you would name it last, and you did. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I like you Killing last. <laughs> He's dead
1: tired. <laughs>
0: it's the classic Arnie film. So many great one-liners, yeah. so many just awesome scenes where he has ridiculously over the top guns that there's just no need for them. rocket launches, all sorts. And he's just got his shirts off for no apparent reason. Um uh, can his name's John. can't remember his second name. This is how uh, I John Matrix. John Matrix. That's it. <laughs> um, and he's, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a retired commando. Um, <laughs> lives with his daughter in a nice little mountain retreat because, he, you know, he's left all behind. Carrying it's, logs around. Yeah.
3: carrying I mean, trees around. The manliest him.
0: man in the history of men. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's basically, like, taken, but much, yeah. much better because his daughter gets kidnapped. Um, and he has
3: to go and kick ass and get her back. Oh God, I love that film. It's like... <laughs> There's some weird subplot where they've kidnapped his daughter so he'll go and like kill some South American dictator or something like that. But yeah. you yeah. just don't care, do you? It's just just kill people. Kill more people. Yeah. <laughs> kill Sully. There's some <laughs> fictional nation, I think,
0: that who's behind this in yeah. order to get him to do a political assassination,
3: isn't there? Yeah. And then the campist bad guy, Bennett, is just weird <laughs> Aussie, moustachioed camp yeah. bad guy. Let off some steam, Bennett.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's my favourite line from that film, I think. It's just so... <laughs> the way... You know, just the whole delivery of it is just so utterly utterly fantastic, isn't it?
0: Yeah. It, it, it's like the pinball of Arnie's one-liner career, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, Yeah, you're right, though. It's ludicrous. Every single scene is... uh, The the scene where he's driving down a mountainside in his Jeep right near the beginning. It's all complete nonsense, but it's so much fun. Uh, And and damn right he's after revenge.
0: Yeah, and also features a former FHM favourite,
3: Alyssa Milano, as his daughter, as a child. Oh. Ooh, a bit weird
1: yeah <laughs> it's just gone a bit weird all of a <laughs> sudden she's um... stop making yeah. it weird Jerry <laughs> well
0: I think that that's really put me in a place coming from from both you and James telling me to stop making this weird <laughs> um,
3: well done <laughs> hang on
0: well that's just a cumulative thing from
3: oh, okay, the oh, episodes
0: it's just a great film I, I don't I challenge anyone to watch that film and not just have a smile on your face. Yeah. It's just brilliant. And amazingly, out of the three films I picked, this has the, the lowest IMDb rating by quite some distance. It's only at 6.5 on IMDb. So That's just a shocking. I think we should orchestrate a failed critics campaign to <laughs> boost the rating. Of- that
3: is absolutely shocking. And, and do you know what? Commando is exactly the type of film I was thinking about when I said that Dread reminded me of certain films of the 80s. You know, just fun all-out violence with barely a storyline. Sometimes that's exactly what you want to watch. But it's the, the storyline
2: kind of is like so it's ignored. Hmm. Go on Owen, sorry, I'm, I'm talking and you're talking. Yeah, sorry. I was just saying, it's the kind of film they try to emulate with uh, Expendables 2, and can't yeah. quite managed. Yeah. They've got all the sort of one-liners and the, the over-the-top 80s-style characters, but it's just not Commando. There's look,
3: a charm to Commando. commando yeah. that, and the thing is, Commando wasn't, Commando's not actually very knowing and self aware. Whereas Expendables is going, look, Co- Expendables is trying to get you in on the joke. Whereas Commando's going, look how fucking cool this is, <laughs> basically. <laughs> it's not going, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, isn't this a bit ridiculous? It's going, look, he's got a massive gun.
0: Yeah. And now he's got a rocket launcher that fires like eight yeah.
3: rockets at one time. <laughs> exactly. And it's kind of going, look, he said he was dead tired, and he's dead. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? It's, it genuinely thinks that it's funny, and that, that's what I love about it.
0: Well, the thing that carries it is Arnie all the way through. This he's film so would be such a spectacular failure without Arnie. Yeah. It really would. He It's the perfect example we've talked about it before of how he just has, some people have screen presence. And yeah, he brings presence to the role. And he's just—he's Arnie in this film, and that's what makes it brilliant.
3: Exactly. You don't have to be a great actor to be a great film star. Arnie is a great film star. All
1: right, Owen. Yes. On to uh, your list, then.
2: Okay, I'll just say Commando was on the very last short list that I drew up. It just missed out, but um, I should think so I... too. <laughs> Sorry,
0: I should think so too. I'm yeah. disappointed in Steve for not even
2: mentioning it. <laughs> I know. Um, but anyway, the film I'm going to talk about is one of these over the top ridiculous ones that influenced Kill Bill. Not particularly because it's one of my favourites, but I just think because, you know, mix it up a bit, I'll talk about a film that's not been mentioned before. Might be a bit different for listeners. Um, it's a film called Shogun Assassin. Um, okay, the plot. It's set in, you know, here in Japan, it's Japanese american british sort of grindhouse film from 1980 a samurai uh, and his young son who kind of rubbed up rubbed the wrong shogun way, essentially shogun kills the samurai's wife so the samurai then uh, seeks revenge he kills the shogun's son Then the shogun sends wave after wave after wave of ninjas and other sort of assassins after the samurai and he just goes about ruthlessly killing them all one after one whilst all the while protecting his son so so yeah, it's one of these films that really sort of heavily influenced Kill Bill. Um, but it, it's a film that is, it's a, a redubbed, recut, edited version of two other films. But, um, there's, it's a two of a series of six Japanese films from the 70s called Lone Wolf and Cub. So you might have heard of Lone Wolf and Cub rather than Shogun Assassin. But... Um, I haven't seen those. I've only seen Shogun Assassin. It was made specifically for a British and American audience. Uh, and it's one of these famous band video nasties and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think most people might have heard of it because it was quite famously one of those that inspired Kill Bill. The final scene in Kill Bill 2, I'm not going to say what it is, was basically a tribute to the final scene in Shogun Assassin. Oh, okay. Uh, that, yeah. that genuinely makes it awesome. Just, <laughs> just that a fact. Yeah. Um, but I basically found out about the film, not because of Kill Bill, but because I stole the DVD, the Vipco Vault of Horror DVD off my brother. I didn't know anything about it. I just kind of stuck it in the DVD player. Um, and the first thing that struck me was that there was just so much blood. I mean, it is really one of the highest, um, body counts in films I've seen. Um, not quite at the raid levels of body count, but just the... So much of it is, a, and because it's all done with a sword and stuff, it's you know, the other thing that struck me was okay, so I see this is this must be one of those films that Quentin Tarantino was talking about because, um, yeah, lots of style, it's really heav- heavily influenced, um as I say, Kill Bill, and it's very inventive with the death scenes as well. That's the other thing. There's a lot of deaths, uh, mm-hmm. as this sort of samurai gets his revenge, um, and some great action sequences too, and it's all very sort of creative and. It really kind of utilizes whole okay, well, we've got a samurai he's fighting birds and ninjas. what kind of interesting techniques and things can we come up with um so it, i mean it's it's just it's brilliant to look at visually and sort of stylistically, um but there are some scenes in it I didn't quite get when I watched it there's um like this kind of rape scene which is it a rape scene i'm not sure whether it's a rape scene but it could be a rape scene i don't know and you know this other bit where his young son i'm bearing in mind his son is like he he travels around in this like pram thing he um there's no other word for what he does to this woman but he twangs her nipples (laughs) so it's a bit odd (laughs) i'm I'm gonna try
3: and search this film out (laughs) yeah
2: shogun assassin it's cool. But, this, you know, I think it's um, got quite a lot of memorable scenes in it, other other than the weird ones. You know, this is a scene where he's fighting some people on a boat and some stuff in a forest with a well, which kind of draws on these different kind of philosoph- uh, philosophical aspects. And they're both great scenes. I reckon probably the most memorable scene in it is where he's actually using this baby carriage um, to kill a shitload of ninjas. And, again, it's just so much blood. I can't emphasise how much blood <laughs> is used in making this film. Uh, It's just no surprise, really, that it was banned in the UK um, when it was sort of, I don't think it actually, although it was released 1980, I think it was banned until sort of 1983 or something like that.
1: Owen, your second film is?
2: My second film is Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984, directed by Wes Craven. Um, Years after being burned alive by a mob uh, of angry parents, a child murderer, Freddy Krueger returns to haunt the dreams of um, some local teenagers. The whole film is just exactly what a film like this should be. It's imaginative, it's creative as well, especially with its deaths, just like um, uh, Shogun Assassin. It's got what I think is a great concept to it as well for a horror film. It's got perfect characters for its kind of story. Um, Some great performances, but none that shine as much as Robert Englund as one of the most iconic horror franchise villains, Freddy Krueger. Talked on the last Triple Bill podcast a bit about Hellraiser, with uh, Pinhead and you know obviously Michael Myers of Halloween but in my, in my opinion um, probably most sensible people's opinion too I think Kruger is up there as one of the best horror characters ever invented um, and even probably when he has the best I think yeah he's got to be because I mean even when he's not got much to do in the film you know what he's doing is just kind of extending his arms and scraping a glove along mm. the wall it's brilliant I, you know it looks fantastic Zane's fantastic He's great performance from from Robert England and I just think, you know, he's, he's one of the best characters. Yeah, but he's quite but,
3: charming for a child murderer as well. He's quite charming
0: for a. There's a phrase
2: you never thought you'd say.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, sh- you shouldn't g- be on his side, but you kind of watch him. Yeah. A, a dark part of you thinks <laughs> this is. Yeah, go, go on, kill him. Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah, him. part part of what makes him like that is the fact that once you realise his motivations for what he's doing, you kind you do feel a little bit slightly sympathetic for the character. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, could burn yeah. him because he was a child murderer. <laughs> but obviously, yeah. Cross the line um, from justice to vengeance by big to to yeah. teens as well. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's great film. Probably up there with one of my favourite horror films, Nightmare on Street. Um, so that's my second choice. And I'll move swiftly on to my final choice, which I thought might crop up, actually, but it's uh, Dead Man's Shoes um oh, Meadows, oh right? i completely forgot about their last juice. it was on my long list yeah it's I, I mean i only saw it not too long ago actually but um I, yeah i really like it. It's, it's one of my sort of favorite british films now um story's a little bit over the top i think you, you kind of have to admit that the twist in it is a little bit um not silly, but the what you know, it, it's mm. just a bit over the top. But it's still just it's still very good, though. It's still it's yeah, It's st- really, yeah, still really entertaining revenge thriller. Um, and you know, I watched it straight after watching um, This Is England, mm. so those are the first two sort of Shane Meadows films I'd watched actually. Um, and the characters in Dead Man's Shoes probably less realistically portrayed than those in This Is England. Uh, this is England as well. I felt more like um, film characters, especially. Concertina as uh, Richard, uh, but the way that it was filmed and made made it feel like it could have been real, uh, more so than This Is England, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't mean to say that they weren't well written characters, by the way, because all of them were. Richard, um, he was quite a deep character. I thought at the time, I, I, I remember thinking that he he wasn't a very deep character. He's just basically motivated by revenge, but actually, he's quite a complex kind of guy, you know, there's lots of different ca- aspects of his character that that are quite sort of complex and uh, what sort of seems like it's going to start off as just a regular revenge story with a regular kind of revenge character and hero or anti-hero, I guess he is. Uh, it gets a lot more um, involved and kind of, sort of subtly expands on a few of the little details and turns them into these really kind of epic sort of oh wow moments, you know. I'm thinking specifically here, Richard's character, um, when he's having the conversation um with the guy whose name I forget, who's like the leader of the little gang. Mm. He's, he's old Sonny, I think his name is. And he's going, You're fucking there, mate. Oh, it's just a brilliant scene. Um but it's a strange kind of mix of comedy and, and bleakness and grimness too and a bit of tragedy and It is a little bit sort of sinister as well in its tone. Um, But it's also very fantastic. Very dark, very gritty, but very, very good. And uh, yeah, like I say, it's now one of my favourite British films. Good choice.
1: Yeah, good choices all round by everyone there. Excellent Triple Bill. Um, Next week, James, is what for Triple Bill?
3: Uh, Next week's Triple Bill is going to, because we've changed it now, um, is now going to be Best TV to film or vice versa adaptations to go with our TV week
1: there we go I'd like to thank the three of you for joining me on the podcast and talking about films I'd like to thank all of you for listening and um, thank Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com big Kev Kevy Mac for uh,
0: <laughs> and a big thank you to the wonderful folks who make Lensic who allowed Steve to be with us tonight
1: yep the Kev Dog for the music and Lem Sip for um, He Never Listens, you know. But thanks, Kev. Cheers. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, and thanks to Lem Sip, um, but I prefer your Black Current one to your Lemon one. See you next week.